Hello, Hannah. Thank you for joining me. Uh, let's give everybody three more minutes. Welcome, no music. Okay, I'm going to get started. Uh, guys, uh, thank you for joining me. It's uh, July the 23rd, 2023. Today's topic is called the White Sovereignty versus Indigenous Sovereignty. And I wanted to do this uh, episode, well, maybe like uh, seven weeks ago, because I know there is a pending case in front of the U.S. Supreme Court. It's called uh, 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 Brackeen's... Uh, uh, wait a minute. Harlan versus Brackeen. It's uh, involving a a non-Native American couples uh, adopting a, a Native American child, and uh, I wanted to do that uh, uh, like seven some weeks ago, and I especially want to do it because I was in uh, Native American Research Institute in Connecticut. Uh, the name of the organization is called the Institute for American Indian Studies, 
where I have seen the display of literary Europeans, European-looking figures as Native Americans. I was like, what the F is that? And, uh, you know, it's like we, at least in Connecticut, we pretty much wipe out all the Native Americans. Now we don't have them around. So we will put up some European faces to pretend that they are Native Americans. That is just very, very bad. So I was eager to get this episode going. But unfortunately, it's hard because uh, Native American stories is just too many. Uh, and also I was on the road traveling. However, re when I arrived from Connecticut to Maine uh, in Bar Harbor, I ran into another museum. Uh, this museum is called the Abe Museum. Abe, like a A-B-B-E. Abe Museum is also a Native American museum. Uh, they are affiliated with the Smithsonian uh, Institute, which is, you know, a, a, a national museum for a lot of history and cultural stuff. So I was very encouraged by what this particular Native American on their exhibit. So I was like, okay, let me do this. So, uh, so that in a nutshell is, uh, I'm, uh, I'm very happy to do this, uh, episode today. I did not, again, I did not, I have to say, I did not read the Supreme Court opinion on this uh, Native American adoption case called the Holland versus Brackeen for the reason is that I kind of know what it is. And the uh, second is that Native American, their legal rights, their sovereignty, is going to be a very big and long uh, topic. It will be very similar to reparation to the African-Americans. So I'm not going to rush everything into one episode. I'm just going to take it easy and do as much as I can see and do as much as I'm prepared. So before I do that, uh, you know, I want to just quickly run over something, go over something. I have asked, can you blackwash history? Theoretically, yes, you can, because, uh, you know, we know the word whitewash history. If uh, someone can whitewash history, we can, you know, someone else can blackwash the history. The reason I'm talking about this is this. Uh, I did an episode uh, where I played uh, Glenn Laurie and John McWhorter talking about the Harvard admission case in front of the U.S. Supreme Court. And I ended up... Uh, you know, listening to more of them. Okay. I, I, I know about Glenn Laurie for a while, for probably two years. Uh, I, I, I listened to his work, especially his uh, interview with this uh, Amy Wax, uh, uh, University of Pennsylvania law professor. And because uh, I did an episode specifically for Amy Wax, and uh, Glenn Laurie had a interview with Amy Wax. So I was always thinking, hmm, is this Glenn Laurie, Uncle Tom kind of character? So I cannot conclude that yet. But I find out his discussion with uh, John McWhorter is uh, just as fascinating. Uh, and uh, they, these two guys have been criticizing the 1619 Project. In one of my episodes in the past, I criticized 1619 Project also. The 1619 Project claims the founding of the United States is in 1619 based on slavery. 
That's just factually not true. Because in 1619, when the first 20 some Africans landed in Virginia, they are not slaves. They are, they are by common law, by the marine time law, they are supposed to be indentured laborers. I have said in that episode, the, the, in my opinion, the first slave that are documented is by a guy who, by the name of John Punch, who is a indentured laborer, who escaped from his employer, got captured. Along with him, there were two white indentured laborers. They were also captured. But the result is this. The court sentenced this after that's the first slave that are documented. The so-called documented 1619 landing of 20 some African Africans from a, from a ship is not the start of the slavery. So you cannot blackwash the history. It's just not true. And so Glenn Laurie and John Walter criticize a whole bunch of other things that the 1619 project has claimed. And uh, in, in overall, I just believe the history, the historic records has to be set straight. You cannot wash it, neither should we wash it. You know, we cannot just put out some narratives that are beneficial to us. We have to be faithful and truthful to what have happened. So this is the first thing. Another another famous saying is this, it's called the no sin. Now, this is, in my opinion, a, a whitewashing of history. I think a lot of black folks will like that say, uh, like this narrative that slavery in America is the original sin. I disagree. The original sin in America is happened to the Native Americans because that's today's topic. Uh, you know, is you know what happened to the indigenous people in this country is the original sin. All right, as we all know, the first Europeans landed in the Mayflowers somewhere around uh, Plymouth Rock, Indigate, New uh, Massachusetts, uh, Vermont, Maine. There are there used to be many many Native Americans, but they're mostly gone, gone. That is the original sin. Okay, that slavery is the second second round of a, I would say second round of a of of a genocide. And uh, nobody want to call it. So, so that is what I want to talk about. Uh, two quick news update, which I think is relevant to this uh, Sunday series. One is this uh, Daniel Penny, the former Marine, a student who uh, who uh, who uh, choked to death this uh, Michael Jackson impersonator in New York City subway. He has raised almost $3 million for his defense fund, which is remarkable. And I have talked about it in the past. Uh, and uh, it's going to be a tough case. And it's going to be a case with a lot of racial tensions, for lack of a better expression. The fact that he's raising almost $3 million is just a show that this case is going to be 
another newsmaker, for lack of a better ex- uh, expression. The second news update I want to bring up is this. Uh, every time this kind of thing happens, it saddens me tremendously, but I have to talk about it. So this Oklahoma mother killed three of her children, including a 10-month-old, and then she killed herself. In during a supervised visitation, I was like, uh, why a person who is subject to supervised visitation can still have a gun? I mean, I know you can get guns illegally, you know, like Hunter Biden did, but but still, how can she get a hold of that? I know exactly what happened to her for a mother to kill her three young children. I think it's 11 years old, 6 year old, and 10 month old. This is what's wrong with America. Not only these children got killed, the sad part is that the public, the government, doesn't care. They will go back to the old narrative, gun control. I have always demanded, find out everything that happened to this mother. Everything happened. Everything. I don't care. People got killed. It's a public interest. There's privacy. I respect privacy, but that is it. Privacy stops there when people got killed. We need to get to the bottom of this. So it's another very, very sad tragedy. You know, again, it was some guys in Chicago killed another guy for a pair of sneakers. As bad as it is, these folks are probably teenagers. They know enough, right? They are able enough. And uh, they, they kill each other. They shouldn't do that, but they live up, you know, up to the teenagers. These young children, 11, 10, Sorry, 11, 6, and 10 months old. They got a lot of life to live, but they died. For what reason? We don't want to know. Apparently, the government doesn't want to know. And uh, so that's sad. So that's the two news I want to talk about. So now let's get to the, <clears throat> to the main topic. I call it white so- so- sovereignty versus indigenous sovereignty for a reason i have said it before the america is founded by the belief that each individual he has a god-given personal sovereignty we the people are the sovereign in england in 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 britain under the king the only sovereign people are the royal families okay basically the the narrative over there is that the god give the sovereignty to the king and the queens and therefore, they got root all the, the these people. The Americans believe we, the people, are born with the sovereignty, individual sovereignty, and uh, they are unalienable. And uh, we, the people, form the government, and we have the rights to abolish that government. So, this American sovereignty is a very, very important concept, which I have already repeatedly stressed. But here comes another interesting twist. Now, we all know about the many people here on calling is against the NATO. And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, uh, Kim Iverson played a clip, which is, I found out to be fascinating. So this Senator Rand Paul, who I believe is a libertarian, he recently made a very, very 
a strong argument about the constitutionality of Article Five of NATO under the U.S. Constitution. So, without further ado, let me just play this uh, 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 Kim Iverson's uh, uh, clip when Rand Paul talks about. Whether we, the United States, is obligated to enter into a war under Article Five of NATO without a congressional approval of getting into a war, and it's all about the sovereignty of the United States when we are part of a NATO, an international organization. So let me play that. And Paul actually tried to bring congressional war powers back to declare war without congressional approval. Brought the amendment to the NDAA, that is the um, National Defense Authorization Act, that is where they decide on uh, the government, you know,、uh, defense budget spending. So he wanted to add this amendment to this year's NDAA, saying that NATO needs to. Uh, NATO just can't declare war because of Article Five. Yes, NATO has Article Five that states that if any country inside of NATO is attacked,、uh, that that all of the countries will come to its defense as if we ourselves have been attacked. That's Article Five. What Rand Paul wanted to do, Senator Rand Paul wanted to say, okay, we've got Article Five in NATO, but still, it doesn't matter. NATO cannot just wage war on behalf. Of America, we still have a constitution, and that constitution says Congress must declare war. So even if it's in NATO, even if it's Article Five、uh, in NATO, Congress still ultimately has to be the ones to declare war. We can't just allow NATO generals to march us into war. This was voted on today in the Senate, and it failed. It actually failed. Uh, we're going to actually watch the arguments here. This is Rand Paul, and so this is Republicans and Democrats arguing about whether or not Congress should be declaring war rather than NATO. Watch this. My amendment reasserts that Article Five of the NATO Treaty does not supersede Congress's power under Article One, Section Eight, Clause Eleven of our Constitution to declare war. According to our Constitution, we will deliberate. And determine that it is in our best interest. My amendment is also consistent with the NATO treaty. Article five of the treaty commits allies to respond to an attack, but allows each ally to determine whether to engage in military hostilities. Article eleven of the NATO treaty states its provisions are to be carried out by each country's constitutional process. We cannot delegate our responsibility to NATO. Nor are we expected to. Let us reaffirm that Article Five does not supersede Congress's responsibility to declare war. Mr. President, the Senator from New Jersey, I rise in opposition. Senator Paul's amendment is both entirely unnecessary, but worse than that, it's dangerous. There's no question that, like any other treaty, the NATO treaty does not supersede the Constitution. However, specifically calling out Article Five of the North Atlantic Treaty here erroneously implies that there is a tension between it and the Constitution. This sends a damaging message 
about the U.S. commitment to the alliance at a time when support for NATO in of Ukraine. Further, by only referencing the NATO treaty, Senator Paul's amendment erroneously implies that other treaties may supersede the Constitution, a proposition that no senator would accept. Because Senator Paul's amendment is both unnecessary and harmful at a critical time of our engagement in Ukraine, I urge all senators to vote against it. I reserve the balance of the time. President. Senator from Kentucky. How much time do I have remaining? Minute remaining. I think it should be an easy vote to affirm the Constitution. In the Constitution, the power to declare war is the most important power and the most important vote that any legislator will ever entertain. Why is this important? Because in 2001, people voted to go to war, and this body still thinks that that vote binds us to war with no further vote. We do need to reaffirm the power and the necessity of declaring war because we are ignoring it by continuing to be involved in military activity and war around the globe without ever having uh, voted on it as we are mandated by the Constitution. Mr. President, is there any time remaining on our side? 53 seconds remaining, Senator from Rhode I will be very brief. Uh, my understanding of the War Powers Act, the President of the United States may initiate hostilities for a limited period of time until Congress can act. This proposal, a sense of Congress, would call into question what the War Powers Act authorizes, and that is a constitutional provision. It's been held constitutional. Oh, my gosh. This is just absolutely unbelievable. I mean, look, it is Congress's job to vote on whether or not the United States goes to war. It is, yes, a treaty inside of NATO, Article 5, but that doesn't negate the fact that Congress would need to uphold that treaty with the vote. That is an argument that could be made when the vote goes to Congress, right? When, let's say, one of the NATO allies is invaded and Article 5 is triggered, Congress then, members of Congress could then argue with each other and say, we made a deal. It's a treaty. We must adhere to it. We are, our, our promise, the American promise is good for what? And they could have that argument and then they could vote. And my guess is it would vote to go to war and uphold Article 5 in NATO, but it shouldn't be automatic. And by the way, there are a lot of treaties that the United States has signed that are not honored by Congress. It's not automatic. I mean, these Democrats are arguing that Article 5, because it's a treaty, it's automatic. That's not true. Look at all the treaties that we made with Native Americans that we don't adhere to at all. We just throw them by the wayside and act like they don't exist. We ignore treaties constantly. So, uh, I mean, it happens on a regular basis. So for them to say, well, no, we made it. It's a treaty. We've got it. It's Article 5. It automatically triggers. That is not true. Congress should absolutely vote on this. But instead, Congress never wants to vote on going to war because they know it's political suicide to take Americans into war, especially if Article 5 is triggered triggered for a country like Montenegro. Do you even know where that is? Suddenly you're sending off your young men to, to war in Montenegro and you don't even know where that is. They know it's political suicide, so they don't want to have to put their names on it. That's why they ultimately don't want to vote. They'd rather leave it with the generals, leave it with the president, and keep it out of Congress. That is why Congress is the most ineffective branch of our government. They're just bought off worrying about campaigning all the time, worrying about keeping their seats. And it's ridiculous. And also with Article 5, it does need to be debated with Congress because what is an attack? There have been times when NATO countries go at it with each other. 
and they're they're attacking one another. This happens with Turkey, Greece, and Turkey. What so that, that we we must have the debates, we must have the discussions. There needs to be nuance. What constitutes an attack? What if it's very small? Is that suddenly we're going to war? What if it's these are the types of nuances that need to be debated in Congress. That's why it should go to Congress in it is built into our Constitution. And yet here you've got a bunch of Democrats and a lot of Republicans wanting to dismiss the Constitution. In fact, the vote record, it was 16 yeas to 83 nays in the Senate. All 16 were Republicans. So there, you know, what happened to the Democrats being the war, the anti-war party doesn't exist. Instead, it's Republicans who voted for this uh, measure that that Congress would need to vote to go to war. And it was a bunch of Democrats and some Republicans who voted against that. Um, you've even got Democrats or independents like Bernie Sanders. He voted against this. Bernie Sanders, of all people, voted against this. Warren Elizabeth voted against this. So did Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham. So there you go. A bunch of warmongers. I never thought I would see the day Bernie Sanders would be a warmonger, but here he is. He usually was the one you could count on to always vote against all this crap. And yet he's just fallen in line. I don't understand it. But um, so, yeah, it, I mean, there you go. If Article 5 is triggered, there will be no congressional vote. The American people won't truly have a say. We didn't have a say when they added all these countries into NATO. We had no say in that. They- so I just want to, uh, first of all, remember, Kimberly Iverson mentioned the treaties we signed with the Native Americans, we did not pay attention to. However, hey, this treaty signed with the NATO countries, these are, I call the lily white nations, we must respect. We have to respect it so much. If a tiny little country in Europe got invaded, we are automatically, we the United States, we the people of the United States, of the United States, must immediately enter into war. So, so the argument is this, okay? So I actually think Rand Paul got a point, is that when Article 5 of the NATO saying, hey, if any one of us got invaded, everybody have to get into the war activities against our common enemies, that being Soviet Union or some other places. Rand Paul's question is this. Does Article 5 take away Americans' sovereignty? Because uh, in our country, only the Congress has the power to authorize war activities, including the funding of the war. Right? And, 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 and the Congress do that through debate. I mean, it could be bad debates, but there has to be debates. I'm going to say even the, in the Vietnam War, there's a Gulf of a Tonkin Resolution. In Iraq War, there is some debate. Bad, as bad as they are, but they are debate. So Rand Paul's question is a sovereignty question of sovereignty, American sovereignty. Does the Article 5 of NATO, which is, is an international treaty, an international law, supersedes the power of the Congress to declare war. So that is actually a very, very valid point. You know, I mean, the Congress, the people 
in Congress may think they are the almighty power for people, no one can touch them. But the, I would disagree. Because the, the First Amendment has said, Congress shall make no law regulating free speech, religion, and all those stuff. The Bill of Rights is telling the federal government, including the Congress, not to make any laws to take away rights of the people. Why we have that? Because we believe these are rights, are rights of a sovereign individual. These rights are God-given, not to be taken away by any government. So even though the senators who voted the against Senator Rand Paul's proposal. Even they you know, even though they did that, that does not take away the fact that Congress shall make no law, should not ratify any international treaty that is gonna damage the uh, the American sovereignty. What's the American sovereignty? We the people need a uh, the process of deliberation before we declare war and before we put our blood, treasure, lives to fight in a foreign territory. So that is as simple as that. Of course, the, uh, uh, you know, so, so the question, he, he, you know, basically Rand Paul did put out a very good question. These are a legal question. I hope someone, uh, by the way, the, uh, the case I was going to talk about this, uh, Holland versus Brackeen, this uh, Native American child adoption case that reached the U.S. Uh, Supreme Court, is the same thing. Uh, I think a white couple, definitely a non-Native American couple, wanted to adopt this Native American child. But Congress made a law called the Indian Child Welfare Act. In this law, which is a federal law, it is encouraged that Native American children, if they need adoption, they should go, they should go to the other Native Americans home, which I thought it makes sense. However, this couple, I think they are white couples, but I would say this is the, the, I can call the American couples. They believe they have a, a unalienable parental rights to adopt whoever they are eligible to adopt. So they challenged this law, the law made by no other than Congress. So by the same token, what Rand Paul is saying here is also can be legally challenged. Let the court decide whether Article 5 of the NATO treaty supersedes American sovereignty, supersedes the War Power Act, that Congress is the sole entity to to debate, to deliberate before declare war against any foreign nations. So that is a very, very valid point. You know, I I have some notes here. Can they are in the form of questions? Can Congress? I know NATO as a treaty was ratified by Congress. But at the same time, can Congress ratify an international treaty involving giving away American blood 
under the mandate of a foreign country, such as a Lithuanian, such as a Lithuania, such as a Montenegro, that the Kimberly mentioned. These are tiny little European countries. They are NATO members. The fact they are invite, invaded by any other power triggers Americans to get involved, to have a war. How's that sound? That does not sound right, my friend. American sovereignty. If Americans are required to bear arms to fight for another nation under a condition set by a foreign law, not our law. It's a NATO. Who elected NATO? Nobody. If Americans are required to bear arms to fight for another nation in Europe, do we, the people, get a chance to vote? Have a vote? To have a, a up and down vote? Yes or no vote? Nationally? I will say yes because American sovereignty, our sovereignty, is an unalienable right. No government, no Congress. Can give it away to an international organization. Yeah, uh, you know, as uh, uh, Kimberly had mentioned, if U.S. government can ignore treaties with the Native Americans, why not ignore the treaty with the NATO? Even if there's a war, even if a NATO country was invaded by a、uh, another country. Right, I mean, I truly believe is truly because the the skin color plays some role here. The U.S. could be hell bent to fulfill its Article Five obligation without a congressional debate or authorization. So that, in a nutshell, is I want to talk about American sovereignty. That's what we all is supposed to enjoy. And and what Rand Paul is put the question Rand Paul is putting up is this: Are we signing off our sovereignty if we got triggered by Article Five of NATO? He is saying the Congress should have a debate on that, and his opponents say no, no, no. As Kimberly observed, even Bernie Sanders is <laughs> say no to Rand Paul's idea. So, so, so that is the first sovereignty I want to talk about—the American sovereignty when it comes to NATO. And now let's talk about the Native American sovereignty. So, again, like I said, when I was in Connecticut visiting this Institute for American Indian Studies, I was just totally shocked, almost depressed, because not only they have a displays. Of figures as the picture of today's room shows that they are, they are totally just they're white boy. <laughs> that little boy is a white boy, and they just he just dressed in some Indian、uh, Native Americans outfit, but he is not a Native American, but he is being used as a exhibit as a Native American, and on the wall in a section. They have a wall of Native American elders. Power off. And I asked, and they all, all those uh, 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 
paintings of those Native American elders, each one of them looks like European. Their facial characteristics is very, very similar to those of European people. So I asked the uh, curator, I said, who draw these uh, paintings? Sure enough, it's uh, one person. And that person is a white dude. I was like, you're having a European draw Native American elders, and the end up, they all look like European. They don't look like Native Americans to me. So, so, so that's how I got almost like depressed by seeing this. I said, are you serious? This is a total whitewash of our history. And it's not just a cultural genocide. It's literally after the culture, the Native American culture is completely wiped out. We just made something up to cover it up which is insanely bad. So I, uh, the good news is this. After I travel more, when I end up in Maine, in Bar Harbor, they have a museum. It's called the Abe Museum, A-B-B-E Museum. And it's a part of the Smithsonian Institution, So, which is, you know, reputable. Well, after I get into that museum, I feel just so much better. Okay, again, this museum is called the Abe Museum, A-B-B-E Museum in Bar Harbor, Maine. In this museum, they are mostly about a, 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 a confederacy, not, not the confederacy from the South. It's called the Wabanaki Confederacy. It's a confederacy of Native American tribes who used to live in Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, and the Quebec of Canada. So let me spell that W-A-B-A-N-A-K-I. It's a confederacy made of, I think, four or five different Native American tribes. Now, what shocked me is this. Again, this is a total 180 degrees difference between this museum, called A Museum, as compared to the one in Connecticut, the Institute for American Indian Studies. Okay, Let, I'm going to read right out some of the, uh, the, the what's hanging on, on their wall, which is very, very, there's a four exhibits. I'm just going to read it quickly, and it's pretty straightforward, which tells you how appropriate they're doing their job, this place. Oh, by the way, I'll tell you this. Maine is like a Scandinavian country, one of the European Scandinavian country. I think Maine is probably closest thing to socialist for those guys who are calling, who are big on socialist, communists, and all that. Okay? Come to Maine, you'll find out Maine probably is the most socialist state in the in the entire union. So now, let me read the first exhibit. This museum is talking about their approach of running this museum for one uh, uh, Wabanaki Confederacy. The title of the first exhibit, The Decolonized Approach. The mission of the Abe Museum is to inspire new learning about Wabanaki nations with every visit. In recent years, the process of decolonization has become a crucial part 
of creating exhibits and programs at the A. Quote, decolonization, unquote, can be broadly defined as the process of reversing colonialism, both politically and culturally. It involves not only recognizing indigenous perspectives and the ongoing colonization of indigenous nations, but the devastating effects that colonialism has and has on indigenous cultures. By collaborating with Wabanaki performers, demonstrators, and curators. The Abe Museum strive to be a space for the presentation of Wana Wabanaki history and culture from the first-person perspective of the Wabanaki people. The first-person perspective of the Wabanaki people. That Connecticut Muse uh, Institute for Nat uh, American Indian Studies—it's a completely BS. It's the product of the colonization of the native people. Okay, so let me finish the first exhibit. Who are the Wabanaki? What is their story? How have the experience of encounter and the ensuing interactions with other nations impacted them? By decolonizing our perspective, the ape provides a platform for Wabanaki people to share their answers to these questions. I have said in, in this Sunday series, if you're a black person, you cannot have, uh, you should not have other people. White people, Chinese people, Asian people, Arab people to write your history. You have to write your own history. Okay? And this A Museum gets it. They totally get it. They totally get it. They call it a decolonized approach. And they also recognize this is something they started doing from recent years. This is not like it happened like since 20 years ago. No, just in recent years. That makes sense. We must decolonize. Okay. So this is the first exhibit. I this is uh, it's like a what a breath of fresh air, air. Okay, and and they they are doing very well because I I have three more exhibits. Next one, after you hear it, you recognize they are spot on. The second exhibit I took a picture of is the title is this: Federal Recognition. For a tribe in the United States to be able to practice its sovereignty, remember this today's room is about white sovereignty versus indigenous sovereignty. This is the second exhibit: federal recognition. For a tribe in the United States to be able to practice its sovereignty, it must be recognized by the federal government. Now, I slightly disagree, but I cannot be too greedy here. Just I'll read what they said. The sovereignty of some tribes has been recognized since the formation of the United States, but other tribes must petition the federal government 
for this recognition and are required to meet certain criteria. For some tribes, the petition process lasts several years and many petitions are not accepted. In Canada, First Nations group recognized by the Canadian government are referred to as status Indians and must appeal to the individual nations in order to be recognized. In both countries, indigenous groups that have achieved recognition status are entitled to a variety of services, restitutions, and resources that the federal government are obligated to uphold, which can include services in education, law enforcement, health services, and resource protection. Without federal recognition, cultural and political self-determination is a goal that many tribes cannot achieve. To this day, several Indian tribes continually petition the federal government for the right to govern themselves. Guys, remember, again, a fascinating piece. Today, there are still Indian tribes continually petition the federal government to the, for the right to govern themselves. Okay, let me ask you this. Do we have the rights to govern ourselves at the founding of this country? The American democracy is called, we govern ourselves, not by the king, right? And these are unalienable rights. Isn't that right? We are all sovereign people. But why in the world Indian um, Indian tribes have to petition the federal government for that rights to govern themselves? Are they born with the sovereignty already? Think of that. Remember, this is probably the most progressive, most spot-on museum. I'm, I'm not disagreeing with them, but I'm just asking all of you, legally speaking, why these Indian tribes have to petition a government to have the rights to govern themselves? While the founding fathers says we have we have the natural born rights to govern ourselves. Think of that. But that's this is a, in my opinion, fantastic start. That's what I want to see. I'm glad someone did this already. I have said before, since I'm doing this uh, Sunday series, I had never touched on the Native American issues. It's just too fucking complicated. I've said, I did some quick research. I do not know the exact legal status of Native Americans, even today. Even today. Are they a sovereign nation or not? Are they formally conquered by us? Or not? I do not know what's their legal status. I just don't. Like this particular poster, this exhibit, still says that. Factually, it says, today, many, uh, several Indian tribes continually petition the federal government for the rights to govern themselves. Right? So that's another good one. That's another good one. Now let me go to the third good one. 
a third exhibit. The title of it, Defining Sovereignty. I was like, I was looking at this, I was like, boy, I'm wa walking into a law school exhibit or not? I, of course I'm not. But I'm there so spot on. Defining Sovereignty, the third exhibit. In the United States, tribal sovereignty is defined as the inherent authority of indigenous nations to govern themselves within the borders of the country. Specifically, tribal sovereignty entails not only the right to govern, but to define membership, regulate tribal business and domestic relations, and manage tribal property. It also refers to the group's identity as a political body that works on a government-to-government -government basis at the federal level. Sovereign tribes are considered by the Congress as, quote, domestic dependent nations, unquote, within the United States. Again, I think I, I, I like this exhibit because it states the status quo, the current state of affairs when it comes to tribal sovereignty. Now, I thought, based on my past reading, I thought it's the court that has, say, has said that the, the, the tribal nations are, dom quote, domestic dependent nations, unquote. I don't think it's the Congress. It's the court that said that. But what does that mean? That's my question. Domestic. You're saying they are surrounded by other people. They are restricted in their reservation. That's why we call them domestic. Dependent nation. By dependent, but what do you mean by dependent? They, they depend on, on, on us, by the US, uh, uh, they depend on US government for what? If they're self-governed, why they're dependent on us, the US government? So at least this exhibit shows defining sovereignty. Yes, that's a perfect title. Because I'm still trying to find an answer. Exactly what's the status of sovereignty for the Native Americans in the context of what the Declaration of Independence says and in the context of what the Constitution says. Right? I've said in the, on the Dobbs decision, at the founding of this country, the founding fathers, a group of white male nationalists, they did not view women as a sovereign person. That's why all the bills of rights does not necessarily apply to women. No privacy rights. Women should be considered back then probably properties or, 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 or accessory of men. Right? But if you're wise enough, you're, if you're awakened enough, and you're reasonable enough. You would have to agree that the rights given to those white male nationalists should be given to any inhabitants, including women. 
including indigenous people, including black slaves. Because they have sovereignty. They, they, the, the definition of their sovereignty should be the same as these uh, white male nationalists. So, but going back to this, even today, a museum has properly put it out, this third exhibit defining sovereignty for these Native Americans. I'm trying. I'm going to try to do that. Remember, in this post, it always says, it also determines government-to-government activities. So my question will be, can a tribal nation establish uh, a diplomatic relationship with other countries? That'd be a question. If not, why not? They are First Nation. They were here before us. They made a treaty with the U.S. government. Can they make a treaty with another country? Do they have the sovereignty to do that? Do they have the God-given power to do that? What caused them to be, quote, the domestic dependent nations, unquote, to us? Did they consent to that? It's a complicated question. So, so, but again, this, this museum did it very well because these are the questions still should be asked. One of my, uh, Sunday room have talked about the Puerto Ricos. Same thing with the Puerto Ricos. What's the sovereignty status of Puerto Rico? Again, going back to this the approach called the decolonization approach that this museum has put it out. It, very excellent. Now let me go to the fourth and the last exhibit. The title of this fourth exhibit, I mean, this is another, like, I only picked the ones I find out to be fascinating. Okay, there's uh, many other exhibits. And, uh, the title for this uh, first exhibit is this, Struggle for Self-Determination. In 1980, the United States watched as a new political ground was broken with the Maine Indian Claim Settlement Act. Maine Indian Claim Settlement Act is a state of Maine law. On behalf of the Passamaquoddy, Pino Scott, and the Melissa, uh, These are the three of the four tribes under this, uh, uh, Wabanaki Confederacy. On behalf of these three tribes, the U.S. government made the legal claim that two thirds of the state of Maine had been illegally taken from the tribes. Ultimately, the legal battle ended with a settlement that enabled the tribes to purchase some land back from the state of Maine and the private land owners. Guys, remember, I will talk about reparation in the future. But just by hearing this, I, this is the first time I know about it. So does this first paragraph 
talking about the U.S. government stepped in, saying the state of Maine had been illegally taken land from the tribes. So apparently, the federal government initiated a legal action against the state of Maine as a settlement. Some tribes can purchase some land back from the state of Maine and private landowners. Continue with this exhibit. In exchange for the settlement, the tribes agreed to drop their claim, as well as abide by most state laws and provide services similar to a municipality. Another stipulation to the settlement was that any federal Indian policies enacted after 1980 that would affect or preempt laws in Maine shall not apply within the state. Unless the federal law is specifically made applicable within the state of Maine, the tribes maintain that the Settlement Act was designed to be a working, changeable document. The state of Maine, however, maintains that the settlement was and is not non-negotiable. The result of the Maine Indian Claim Settlement Act is a struggle for self-determination. That continues to this day. To learn more about the Settlement Act, visit the A Museum online exhibit "Headline News: Wabanaki Sovereignty in the 21st Century" at abmuseum.org. This exhibit demonstrates there is ongoing disputes. Between the Wabanaki Confederacy and the State of Maine. Okay, it is very similar to disputes between Russia and Poland, or Russia and Ukraine. Territorial land, river, water, whatever. So again, in this dispute, is this、uh, Wabanaki Confederate? A independent nation, or they are just a you know, they are just a group of prisoner of war. That's a legal question we we have to find out. So all these exhibits they talk so much about sovereignty. I was like, boy, I need to get this thing going. So that in a nutshell, you know. Is what this particular museum has done right. Okay, so now let me quickly talk about the, this case called the Holland versus the Brakin, and、uh, I'll just be quick. Again, it's all about sovereignty. This white couple basically they want to adopt this Native American child, and、uh, the the relative of this、uh, Native American child says under the Indian Child Welfare Act, made by Congress, we prefer this child to be adopted by the Native American families. So these white couple challenged this federal law on grounds of a racial discrimination. Basically, they said, "Well, this federal law gave a favorable treatment to the Native Americans when it comes to adopting a child, is a racial discrimination." 
You know, they are, they argue that child adoption is a parental right that must be colorblind. Of course, the U.S. Supreme Court sided with uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the tribal nations here. In this case, apparently the U.S. Supreme Court still recognize the tribal sovereignty. So if an American couple went to China and want to adopt a, a Chinese orphan, and the Chinese government say, no, you cannot do that for whatever reason, can these American couple claim the Chinese government is being racially discriminatory? I would say no, because you went to another sovereign country, tried to adopt one of their members. That country's government probably have a sovereign right to refuse you. It's the same principle here. It's the same principle here. So, you know, you know, again, I, I would say definitely the U.S. Supreme Court still recognize, just like this A Museum, do recognize there is certain level of sovereignty with these Native American tribes. But how much of it? That's my question. Okay? I've said earlier, are the sovereignty, tribal sovereignty, equivalent to the American sovereignty as our founding father has prescribed for themselves? If not, why not? If yes, then why tribal nations still have to petition the federal government to self-govern? Right? So, you know, I would like to clarify that. I would like to clarify that. The, uh, the founding fathers is big on, the, on, on, on sovereignty. Rand Paul. I, I'm not disagreeing with Rand Paul at all. I think he's brilliant. But bring up this question. Whether Article 5 of NATO forced the United States to surrender its sovereignty when the little European countries, who we don't even know where it's at on the map, is being invaded by another foreign nation, why the Americans automatically must enter into a war with another country? That's a great point, what Rampop brought up. It's all about sovereignty. So, that's pretty much what I want to talk about. So to, to conclude this, going back to this A Museum, the first exhibit, decolonization. I have to say, decolonization in the cultural sense is well done in this A Museum. I love it. It is a sharp contrast with the other one, the Institute for American Indian Studies. Remember, white liberals hate me. Because the white liberals is the expert in whitewashing things. I don't. I can't. There's a lot of whitewashings in this, in, in the entire education system, including the college. 
in this country. Okay, um, again, I'm a big fan of this guy, uh, uh, this Russian guy uh, on the U- YouTube channel. He he said the same thing. I totally agree with him. He said the history about Second World War that are taught in America is completely made up. I agree. In fact, the, the history of uh, within the United States are mostly made up. The example is this Institute for American Indian Studies in Connecticut. Just remember, see that picture on today's room. That is a purely white boy. He is not a Native American. You cannot put Native American clothes on a white boy and call that white boy a Native American. As simple as that. That's whitewashing. So decolonization in the culture sense is well done in this aid museum. However, decolonization in legal terms in my opinion, means complete restoration of a sovereignty to a person who are deprived of that sovereignty, to a tribe who are deprived of its sovereignty, and to provide a full and equal citizenship to every inhabitant. Decolonization not only is applicable to Native Americans, but is also to Puerto Ricans. In fact, I, I think it also applies to the residents in Washington, D.C., because I don't think that they can vote for their own senators and the congressman or woman. This, law, uh, this case in, the, in front of the Supreme Court, Harlan versus the Brackings, it challenged the power of Congress to make a law called the Indian Child Welfare Act. And the litigants, Brackings, this white couple, is saying the law is racially discriminatory. In, the, in this decision, the U.S. Supreme Court basically acknowledges there is a tribal sovereignty. It's their, it's their rights to discriminate. It's their right saying we prefer our abandoned child to be adopted by another Native American family. I do not see that too wrong, especially when you consider Native Americans as a sovereign person and their tribes as a sovereign nation. No, the Supreme Court at least acknowledged this sovereignty to a certain degree. Remember, it's still, in my opinion, the Supreme Court has said the tribal nations are domestic dependent nations. I call that a strategic ambiguity. I think in one of my uh, Sunday rooms. So my question will be this. Can Native Americans sue for complete restoration of their nationhood? Remember, I did a room during the weekdays about this uh, prime minister of Barbados. I think he's a name Mia Motley. She talks a great deal about nationhood. Can Native American tribes enjoy complete restoration of a nationhood? Because after all, we call them First Nations. 
if they don't have a nationhood, why we call them First Nations? If a person does not have a manhood, why we call him a man? I'm not trying to talk about transgender issue. I'm sorry. It's a set. It's a separate. It will be a separate topic. Yeah, I know, Heidi. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. Actually, Heidi, let me bring you up. Sorry, because I'm about to done. So I will. I would love to hear your, 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 your comments as always. Uh, Rudy, I will. I will make you a speaker too. Okay. Hold on. So, so let, let 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 me just finish this. Okay. So, so I you know ask the question: Can Native American tribes sue for complete restoration of their nationhood? Now, I have said in the past, I don't see any constitution, any part of a constitution say the state cannot secede from the from the union. If Texas say we are tired of your Washington D.C., we want to secede from the union. As long as they do peacefully, as long as they file a petition. Remember, the Native American tribes have been doing petitions to the federal government say they want their sovereignty, tribal sovereignty. The Texas can file lawsuits say we want our, our state to be a separate nation. I'm, I'm for it. I do not see the Constitution prohibits that. Can Puerto Rican, can Puerto Rico sue for complete restoration of their nationhood? Because exactly who are the Puerto Ricans today? What's their nationhood? I will say the same thing. Can Rand Paul, if he's not happy with Article 5, if he believes Article 5 of NATO is an infringement upon the American sovereignty, which I agree with him actually, can he or someone or some organizations with a legal standing to file a lawsuit to challenge the constitutionality of the whole scheme of an Article 5 triggering the U.S. entering into foreign wars without Congress, congressional debate and authorization? I agree with all these. So, so that in a nutshell is what I want to talk about today. Go ahead, Heidi. Uh, I was going to say, if you want to like edit this part out of your pub of your published show, I totally understand because it is kind of a it's an issue that bleeds into other issues. So, and it's something that like the um, news presenters I've watched for a long time they avoided talking about it uh, because they were they saw it as like a fringe issue. And something that was basically being used by the powers that shouldn't be to um, kind of the thin edge of the wedge to get transhumanism into the general conversation. If oh, you, go ahead. Yes, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know what you mean. Go ahead. Yes. Okay. I was going to say, and that's a whole nother box of, uh, of or bag of worms. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I like the worm better than the wax. Okay. That is a <laughs> right. Key. Right. It's a, it's a, a, it's a cage of snakes. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. I, so, um, I, but, I, but my, my point, my point in the comment that I made was like some of this can be called cultural appropriation, you know, because like I have Native American ancestry and I also have 
uh, German and English ancestry. Uh-huh. And, um, and so like my, my son, my older son, he does this thing called rendezvous and it's like, a uh, a, a group of people that get together every year and they live like as if uh, technology hasn't advanced past. I don't, I can't remember the year. It's something in the 1800s though, you know, like 1850 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So they don't use, yeah, they, they wear the clothes and they use the tools that they had back then. And same with the materials. They don't use like modern materials like nylon and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and my son often dresses up as, as a native uh-huh. because he, lo- he looks it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it, it, that's just like one of the things that people did back then is they interacted with the tribal people, uh, of the First Nations. Mm-hmm. So, um, but anyway, my point being is that, uh, it, it, so, you know, he, we're mainly, you know, we look white, uh, we, we have features and bone structure that you can tell that we have native ancestry too, mm-hmm. but mainly we, you know, cause we stay inside a lot. Uh, so we, uh, if I tanned, you could tell that I'm native American because I tan deeply like they do, or like, like, never mind. So anyway, my point, my point is that this child, uh, may have some native ancestry. And I, I know that your picture is to make a point. And, oh, and by the way, I wanted to know how old is the child in that custody case? That uh, adoption I, case. My bad. I is did not. Read, I did not read the whole thing. I did not read the whole history. Uh, okay. like any adoption, of course, there's some tragic happened already, like being, the uh, the biological parents being you know absent, being a drug addicts and all that, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, but I know about this case, just like the Harvard admission case. When when Harvard admission cases it happened like nine years ago, it started nine years ago. It takes like I I call it slow move, slow justice. You know, it's almost like yeah. justice delay. Just uh, going back to this is that. Uh, it's also a pretty long lasting, it took a long, long time for this whole thing to reach to the, to the, to the U.S. Supreme Court. But I do not know the age of, of that. But, but go, okay. Go ahead. Okay. But, but anyway, so my point being is that, uh, when you think of stuff like that, the, especially the dressing and the acting like, uh, it, it also reminds me of that woman, uh, if you're familiar with Rachel Dolezal. Yes. Maybe, yes. you know, Yes. yes. Okay. So yeah. you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, so that that's what kind of reminds me of like, okay, so if you're not uh, of uh, the if you don't have the ancestry to uh, legitimize it, what if you just identify with, you know, because like, I, I've never identified with, uh, say, things like Judeo Christian values, I've always felt more like Native American spirituality made more sense to me. And so I identify like that internally, you know, like uh, psychologically. Yes. yes. It, yeah. I'm not, uh, I mean, I know for a fact that I understand like uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, we are, uh, the U.S. is a multiracial society at birth, right? Uh, the gene pool has been, you know, very, very well exchanged. Let me put it that way, right? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, for a, for any person who has a Native American blood, want to identify themselves as a Native American. I have no problem with that whatsoever. I actually know a guy who is somewhere between Buffalo and a Canadian border. He uh, he has some, you know, family law issues. I guess he was actually uh, trying to get away from an arrest warrant 
that issued uh, because of his ex-wife made some certain claims. He told me this. He said he has obtained a membership of a tribal nation in Canada so mm -hmm. that he can come back and forth. And the state of New York cannot touch him for whatever reason. So mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm, what I'm trying to say is that going back to that Rachel uh, uh, Dawes or whatever, people do this uh, passing stuff just to get some benefit. Just like, you know, the original passing, just like some black people, uh, light-skinned black people pretend to be white and know that to gain that social benefit. Uh, some are not. Some are just generally believe they are more Native American than, than European American. Nothing wrong with right. that. Nothing wrong right. with that. My, you know, what I'm trying to stress is that because it's just uh, like uh, 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 Howard Zinn has said, also this Russian guy on YouTube said, the history of this country, when it's written by those white liberals, it's completely whitewashed. Yep, they're scribes to power. Exactly. That's exactly what white history, not even just in America, all of Europe also. It was yeah. always the scribes to power who yeah. wrote the history. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I actually, uh, uh, because uh, the other day, uh, Brady asked me, he said, Hey, Peter, what have you achieved by engaging in these uh, calling activities? So I told him, that, Look, I am uh, trying to, uh, I, I, I'm glad uh, someone on calling reached out to me who is a Hollywood screenwriter who believe that my Sunday series should be uh, a, a documentary series. And okay. and I have just prepared the the pilot episode, a summary, uh, out, my outline of the a pilot episode for this documentary series. I have just finished that. It's actually about Rosa Parks. So you will say, okay. so many people wrote about Rosa Parks. What's new? I have shared with her. These are the new things. She agreed. But there's another thing that are very new that nobody talks about. And I have, I, I, I've been dragging my feet because I promised her that my outline will be ready and sent to my lawyer friend like two months ago. But I've been dragging my feet. But as of uh, yesterday and today, I was happy to finish my draft of this outline with the newest, uh, 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 like, 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 you know, the message I, I want to talk about, which I never talk about. When I go over that, I was like, I was quite, uh, depressed in a sense, but it goes back to that. I have found out, that, uh, like you have said earlier, Heidi, that the European countries does the same thing. Why washing the history? And uh, I was like, you cannot do that. This is what I want to say. He, this is the record. This is what the law says. This is the practice. And there is a name for it. You have to tell the truth. So, so I'm happy that I'm now I'm done. Now all I, all I need to do is gather all the images, a document, scan document and send over to this lawyer friend of mine saying, this is what my outline is. You take over and then you work with this Hollywood screenwriter to come up with the first pilot episode. And so, you know, yeah. we can try to 
push it That's aside. a good idea. Cause like, I've thought that ever since the whole COVID thing started, because, you know, like the, uh, the news, like I said, the news presenters I watch are completely different. You know, like they do take their cues from the mainstream in that they discuss the same topics, but they give like more information. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I've thought that right from the beginning that if the establishment gets to write this official narrative, it's going to look like they're going to be able to make it look like it was COVID that killed all these people and not the vaccine. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I'm really grateful that people have been documenting it. And it's kind of like that whole 1619 project. I'm sure you've heard of that, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, Like my question is that you can blackwash history, too. I mean, these are Glenn Laurie and uh, John uh, McWhorter, both are black uh, scholars. They, I mean, mm-hmm. after I listen to them, I said, boy, I will be more, you know, outspoken about uh, blackwashing things. You know, I, you know, blackwashing, yeah. well, yes. It's like what, it's like what Ta-Nehisi Coates had to say about it too. Like he's basically uh-huh. saying it's all bullshit, but I don't think it is all bullshit. I, but I want to know what black people's hi- oral history is from that time on. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily need to be uh, absolutely true, but it's their take on it. So I'm sure the actual truth is somewhere in the middle. You know what I mean? Exactly. I totally agree. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, oh, by the way, your comment about uh, transhumanism, <laughs> how would you tell you? There are things you cannot say. Like uh, uh, David Chappelle has said his best, right? You know, he said, if you say certain things, you'll have a mob going after you. So there are things <laughs> I would never say for now. But I will say eventually for these uh, transgender yeah. issues. Because... Uh, I follow two things, what the law says and what the science said. I don't give a F what the political group says. I was saying. Right. The activist groups are You're fucking whack jobs. Holy shit. Exactly. Yeah. Say, according to science, you are XYZ, not ABC. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, according to, you know, uh, uh, law and the case laws, you are this, not that. That's it. Right. <laughs> I mean, See, don't feel, don't get a personal with me, but that's what the law says. That's what science said. Right. That brings up another uh, question I had for you. And again, feel free to cut this out of your published episode no, no, or whatever. Oh, no, it's okay. I'm not afraid. Well, and I, well, it, it's, I, and I was just going to say, I don't mean this to sound like an attack either, okay. but I was just talking with William yesterday and he was saying that you lured him into a debate and then basically uh, with the intent to humiliate him. Did you do that? <laughs> no, let me, uh, I do not name names, okay? I will, let me talk uh this guy. I will name him Master Debater. How about that, okay? Okay, he, okay. A very famous guy also on calling, okay? He mm-hmm. just keeps saying, please debate me. I said, oh, no, I have never responded. No, so today I want, I want to briefly talk about it because I'm going to, I was going to explain to Brady. I said, think of it between China and USA today. The USA keep telling China, let's have a war about Taiwan. We're going to sail our, sail our ships. Why not have a war with us? If I were China, I would just stay calm and know the goal of your enemy is to engage you in a war. Then you just not to do that. So, so what your enemies desire is not going to happen. So this master debater keep asking, how dare you not to, but, I'll tell you the calling. I've said calling is a platform for a lot of mentally sick people. I will not name them. I will not name names, but I just say 
I have all the DMs from people, and the, their their own message, their own words is the rebut my rebuttal <laughs> to whatever accusation they laid out against me. So no, I'm not a I I will not even you know. Oh, by the way, uh, these two famous guys <laughs> actually dislike each other tremendously. Also, they DM me. About how shady the the other person is, <laughs> and, okay. I, and they are, they are just. I mean, like I said, I actually believe mental health is a contagious disease, and it travels through the social media platform, such as call it. Yeah, I I wouldn't. I don't doubt that, and, and I don't have a problem with you know. Um, I don't know. I guess uh, considering that as a possible uh, uh, contributor to the cause. Um, but it's, it, in this particular situation, and if we're, you know, not naming names or anything, I'm just saying that uh, as far as I've as as far as I'm concerned, right from the start, Sandy Hook was fishy. So, and I'm just saying that you know, in this situation, uh, the it was the official story uh, again, scribes to power who got to write the story, and if they have an agenda, you know, it should be. Um, you know, like it was, it's like the Holocaust. It, it was never allowed to be fully investigated because there is, there are bad actors on the other side of it. And that doesn't mean that anybody who wants to investigate it is a bad actor. Oh, uh, it just means that the guilt. Oh, no, you will remind okay. You know, you go, go, so first of all, is this, okay? I, uh, uh, I'm trying to say is that. You have people, I will say, I will even name Brady's here. I mean, I, I know it's a little bad to name Brady here. You have people, including Brady himself, that has this uh, habit of repeatedly talking about the same issue over and over again, day after day. You can tell what I do. I usually want to come up with some new shit to talk about. You know, I don't want to talk about the same shit because it's boring. You know, it's like I'm obsessed with one thing and one thing only. It's not, you know, I, you know, I, 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 if there's something new I want to talk about, I will talk about it. You will have, uh, people who just repeatedly, not just only talking about one topic, but also about themselves. Like just, you listen to the recording of their rooms, you will find out how many word, how many times they use the word I. Right. Yeah. Well, and then it's obvious they have an agenda also. That's, exactly. the, you know, talking exactly. about one subject all the time. It's exactly. like, okay, I get it. You have this agenda and you want to convince people of that. Exactly. It, you know, yeah, I, I can understand why you want to not dwell. Before I forget, I know you, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Rudy, go ahead, jump in. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, Rudy. Yeah, I didn't mean to be mon monopolizing. Sorry, Rudy. Go ahead, Rudy. Oh, it's okay, Rudy. So let, let me finish what I want to tell Heidi. I know Heidi was uh, once accused by someone being an uh, anti Saima. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. I'll tell you. Even, even though I, I strongly advocate for the Palestinians who are also Semitic, by, oh, the, by way. the way. Actually, great point. Because uh, in my, in my uh, weekday shows, there's also a sovereignty issue. Because we have Native Americans, are they? Do they have a sovereignty? Same thing with the Palestinians. Are they sovereign people? 
Under the, they are not considered. They're not considered sovereign because they didn't have an official state. Okay, that was the whole. Like, if you look into it, the Balfour Declaration okay. by the um, by the British government is what created Israel. Okay, but well, I'm not well versed in those, so I'm not going to even mention. Going back, someone accused me to be anti-Semite. I'll tell you what happened. Okay, room I mentioned, I have a I read a book based on recommendation of one of my one of my friends. The book's title is How to Kill 11 Million People. It's a talking about Holocaust. The book mm-hmm. basically is saying the Nazi Germany, they don't even use guns to round up all the Jews and send them to this concentration camp because they use a, a lie. It's a big lie. It's a simple lie. Repeated lie. They just tell the Jews the Red Army are coming. To protect you, we need to send you to a different location to evacuate. Ah. So they okay. all willingly get on those, those uh, trains. So, so that guy basically, you watch, the, uh, you look at the pictures, movie, you do not see those people with guns, guards, unlike the, uh, the, the, how we run, run up a Japanese, uh, inter, internees during the second world war, where the soldiers guarding the train and the bus with guns. In the Nazi Germany, they just the 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 the, the government just told the Jews say the Red Army is here, they're gonna kill you, we're trying to protect you, get on the train, we are evacuating you. That's all it did. That's interesting. What I said that's what that's what that book says. So this mm-hmm. this uh, this apparently upset this guy so badly he demanded me to issue an apology on the spot. I said, No, I'm not gonna do that. Then he accused me to be anti-Semite. I said, "No, I'm not." <laughs> um, right? Yeah, it, and that's like the whole thing that got this uh, going with um, Lysol and Derek and Danny, because I was saying, and BK too, I guess previously, um, because I was saying there, this is something the transgender community should address these these shootings by trans people. There's mm-hmm. been like two or three in the past month that mm-hmm. the mainstream media has completely ignored. By the way, okay. and then there's these. And then there's these drag shows and these like strip shows where the, they're doing like pole dancing and like overtly sexual dancing. And mm-hmm. in the in the crowd, you can see young children. And so that's what I'm saying is that <clears throat> that's child abuse. You know, that's child sexual abuse. That's like priming children to be uh, not um, weirded out by sexual engagement. That's creepy. That's grooming. You know, and so I was saying something to BK about how the transgender community should speak out against this. And they, uh, they, um, re- uh, they, uh, compared it to, well, do you ask Muslims to, to, uh, speak out against, um, terrorism? And I, my attitude is, yeah. You know, Muslim leaders should absolutely speak out against terrorism. You know, like they didn't even give me a chance to say that. But that is my attitude. Like if you want a protected community, you have to say to the rest of, you know, the world, we don't endorse that kind of behavior because that is abusive. It is not something that that we want associated with our community. You know what I mean? So and it's something that I don't think is much to ask. 
You know what I mean? Because yes. that is my concern. I don't want my child to be or, or children to be exposed to that kind of behavior. And it is frightening to me as a as a parent to think that uh, the schools like they sh- they have videos, undercover videos showing like counselors and teachers at schools conspiring to, uh, uh, you know, to uh, bring children into this transgender community. Like at, at elementary and, and uh, what do you call it, middle school age, you know, before they're even uh, thinking about sex, you know, this is, these are kids. They yeah, don't need I, any kind of sexual education at all. Yeah, so. I, for, due to the limitation of my time and resources and attention, I never get involved with those uh, discussions. And, oh, you know. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. I, just I don't blame you. I'll tell you this. Plus, like, uh, plus your kids of, are older. Yeah, a lot of people in the calling, uh, after I listen to them long enough, I can tell, uh, what kind of, uh, baggages that person has. And, mm-hmm. uh, it shows on what they say. And, uh, they cannot hide away. And uh, do I point it out? No, because they will treat that as an insult. Uh, they will, they will feel that I'm personally uh, insulting them and all that. Uh, do I get involved? No. Do I listen to them? No, because I have said, a lot of these people, I was always said, you guys, I think Danny, the other day I have told her, you really have a lot of time in your hands. I mean, I don't know how you can do 27 hours or 25 hours room. I just cannot imagine. I mean, Rudy used to do like a seven or eight hours. I was like, that's already like a, you know, excessive in my, in my book. Yeah. Well, she- and the thing that Rudy would do is just leave it open for other people to talk. Like he would go off like, like he wasn't even here when you called called oh, on that's him to true. talk. Exactly. Yeah. Danny's on it. Yes. She's like twenty five hours? Like the United Nations debate does not last this long. <laughs> you know? I know. And yeah. Danny, you know, I, I know how to I know, you know, like I said, people on calling so many of them have mental health issues. I was like yeah. I feel sorry for you guys, but I'm not going to say too much because you will feel, you know, I'm disrespectful with you guys. No, I'm not. You know, I'm just, I feel sorry for you guys. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, no, I, and uh, that's just it. Cause, cause like Joe was telling me that I'm a right wing nut job and that I'm carrying water for who? Ron DeSantis. Joe, Joe? Uh, this guy, who? Joe. Yeah. Never heard of him. Uh, but yeah, I, he's on occasionally. He, he, he talks with William, I guess. Uh, but it, the, that's not important. Uh, okay. the important thing, and I guess I shouldn't have named his name. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, um, the, the important thing is that, uh, it, it was insulting to me immediately because I absolutely do not carry water for any politician for that matter, because mm-hmm. carrying water suggests that I am, uh, taking on a, uh, an issue, uh, opposition to, uh, uh, a community or whatever it, to uh, align myself with those values. This, this is my value. It doesn't happen. It doesn't matter that it happens to align with Ron DeSantis's platform. That doesn't mean that I'm carrying water for them. That okay. pisses oh, oh, me you, off. you remind me of something, uh, but Rudy, you want to say something, please. I, I hate to, uh, you know, I hate that just me and the Heidi talking, Rudy, say something. I acknowledge you. You're, you're here. <laughs> but because you talk about trends and those drag show whatever earlier Heidi so I want to tell you this I'm not a supporter of Ron Sanders I have decided that I do believe Republicans are racist to 
to its core, so I will never be able to support them. And uh, I used to believe uh, Republicans are conservative. They respect Constitution. I now believe they don't. They, the only thing they respect is their own power, their own ability to hold offices. Now, going back to dissent is this. Uh, I, I, I will not support him for, for that reason. However, I want to go back to what your concern is, what you talk about those uh, drag show and all that. Remember this, the problem, you hear think along this line. <clears throat> the problem is not whether there's a drag show showing to the kids or not. The problem is that those drag shows to school kids are performed by a government employee funded by taxpayers' dollar. Oh, yeah, that's right. That is my problem. Okay, that is my problem. In other words, if someone say, I really believe voodoo is the best science ever happened to humankind. I will say, yes, go ahead, teach voodoo in a private school. You have a voodoo school, teach to voodoo to voodoo kids. That's all good. But when it comes to a government school, public employee, you're doing this, I think there need to be a debate. Okay? In other words, you know, I will give you another example. I know Amanda will hate me, uh, hate me if he hear this. You should hear this. Teachers union. No, oh, I'm a socialist. I support union. No, do I support union myself? Yes, I do. But teachers union is just like a police union. These are union of a government actors. When they do not want to do their job, when they want to break law when they are doing their job, do you support them? In other words, if I know for a fact all the public schools in this country, again, this is going back to Glenn Laurie and John McWhorter, these, these two guys. Basically, see, if you know all these public schools, they are failing African-American ch- students. And the teachers' union will refuse to this and that. Is the teachers' union part of the problem? actually a government problem? I would say yes. So so to me, those drag show whatever, again, if someone is a trans uh, transgender, whatever, it's his or her private business. Again, I believe she ha- she or he has the sovereignty, personal sovereignty, <laughs> privacy, to protect, you know, the constitution protect him or her. Or she or it or whatever. But not at the government's endorsement. But when you are a government employee, yeah, you are doing this to, you know, a vulnerable population and without the authorization of a a law. Mm -hmm. I got you. You know, Mm -hmm. if the bus driver say Rosa Parks, you have to sit in the back. There's a law authorizing him to do that. Yeah. Which law say teachers can teach drag shit to, you know, whatever. Again, you right. can teach voodoo as long as you're in a private school in your own room with the people you know in the private private capacity. Right. But it's the government... Well, the, the, mm-hmm. the, Go I was going to say, the other concern when it comes to uh, legal matters is um, 
you know, I hear a lot of people saying that it's abusive and that the kids should be taken away from those parents. And I really hesitate to get on board with that because, Mm -hmm. you know, like uh, the, it, it eventually, the, the situation will blow over. I don't think the parents are actually intending to be abusive. They're, they're trying to be, I don't know, like, like I was uh, saying the other day that uh, cosmopolitan and um, sophisticated or something like that, you know, like they think that they're doing right by their kids. So I hesitate to want to take the kids away. But it is being brought up in a lot of like custody issues. So it is uh, sometimes a legal matter. And I, I see what you're it. saying. You, you think the, the law should deal the, with it? The, like I said, I, I know uh, there's a transgender issue among custody stuff. America is in deep, deep shit. I feel very I sad. Like I said, I started today's room as telling you guys, there is an Oklahoma mother who killed her own three children, 11-year-old, yep. 6-year-old, and 10-month-old. This is the sta- state of America. The state of the union is horrible. Is horrible. The fact that there's a mixture of a transgender surgery involving in custody shit is called a shithole piling on shithole. That's what it is. Okay? Yeah. So I don't yeah. even want to hear a, a one tiny percent of it. Deal with your problem. I don't want to hear because it's totally wasting my time. The, uh, the, uh, you know, I, I'm in the middle of a better things. You know, this place used to be called the Eden, not Bar Harbor. Because this place in the summer is beautiful. It's fantastic. The lobster is cheap. <laughs> the clams are delicious. I'm you're still no- in Maine, I take it. <laughs> exactly. Oh, in- that's right. You said you were going to stay until the end of summer. 78 yep. degrees during the day quickly dropped to 60 degrees at night with the breeze. Right. You can't complain Must about this. It must be nice. It's still a hundred, like ninety something degrees here overnight. Yeah, it's I'm crazy like, hot. Yeah, like I don't get involved with like people will say, "Debate me, Peter." It's like America, uh, the U.S. government telling China, "Have a war with us." You know, yeah, these are the yeah. a typical white person, white man will say, "Let's have a fight," and then he will say, "Oh, you are not fight, fighting me according to the law." Uh, the law. Oh, oh no no, you are not fighting me according to the rule. Oh no no, you are not fighting me uh, uh, with uh, our value. Right, it's right, always right. The oh, white like person. Tucker Carlson said, that's not how white men fight. <laughs> that's exactly how white men right. fight. They will instigate yeah. a fight, and they'll criticize you that you are not fighting according to their rule. It's always they. Yeah. To start the fight, to start with, and then they have to say you did not fight according to the rule they set up with. It's always that person. Well, that's what? that's the reason why everybody was so shocked when uh, Russia, you know, did take the bait and invaded Ukraine because um, everybody thought that Russia knew better than to take the bait. But yeah, I hope China absolutely knows better, and they do not need to take the bait. No, no, no. I mean, I will say, you know, even if Taiwan declared independence, in my opinion, don't do anything. Wait for one hundred years. Yeah, yeah. You know, America well, is really America is really good at manipulating. You know, the West. You know, it's just going to be America itself. You know, like I said, nobody can de- reverse the trend. The rise yeah. of the brown people in lily white nations, including America, and the rise of brown people in the entire world 
period. No yeah. longer brown people need to follow a white man say, let's debate. Then you have to debate. Let's debate in English. Then you have to debate in English. Then they are going to accuse you, you're not speaking good English. Right. Or right? like the whole thing with Africa. Do, did you hear about that fucking nonsense? They were basically saying, you know, we don't want, uh, we, we don't want Europe and, and America to be, you know, uh, exploiting us anymore. And then our people are saying, well, they just don't understand the finances. They don't exactly. understand the intricacies. Exactly. And it's like, I'm pretty sure they know they're being exploited. You know, exactly. that's exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's crazy. Like I said, you know, this is why I don't get involved with, uh, you know, taking the bait. Oh, debate me. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you. I got way yeah. better things to do. <laughs> yeah. Way well, better. yeah. And, and mainly I was just asking because I didn't think you would do an asshole thing like that, you know, like uh, try to uh, lure somebody in and then deliberately humiliate them. <laughs> So. When someone is disabled, sitting in a two bed, uh, 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 lonely, or by all by himself, with no jobs, <laughs> with yeah. nothing, literally nothing, yeah. yeah, you know what this person would do, you know, you know. Mm -hmm. I think Scott Ritter used a great example. If you see someone is about to drown in the in the water, don't ever try to save that person. Because that person is dragging you into the bottom of the water. Yeah, they'll bring you, you know, down with them. I can yeah. tell someone who are so sick, they are just a desperate people. When they talk, they cannot even catch their own breath. Yeah. <laughs> That's how bad it is. So, yeah, be, you know, I, no, I am perfectly comfortable not debating, you know, in the thing. I'm just oh, yeah. come up with some, something I think it's uh, never talked about. And, you know, that's pretty much yep. what I want. So that's cool. About, and like I said, I just, like I said, I just wanted to make sure the air was clear. Cause I don't, I, you know, I don't like being passive aggressive with people. I like to confront things, you know, head on and deal with it or not and agree to disagree if that's what it comes to. And that's cool. So, uh, all right. Yeah. Greatly appreciate it. Yes. Uh, thank you guys. Uh, Rudy, any, any comments? <laughs> Rudy do a silence protest which is okay too Rudy. yeah he's probably just busy right? yeah. you only have a few people I know Rudy is one of them are balanced on calling and this is just you know I would say 85% of the calling members they all have some serious issues of their own uh, quickly I can tell what's their baggage <laughs> yeah no. No. alright I got a, a huge I heard I got a, a huge check in the mail, $21,000 from the government. I don't know if I'm told I paid too much child support in the past. So oh, I'm must be nice. $21,000 back to me. I said, okay, but I want to make sure on. I'm going to call the state government and say, how come I pay too much? <laughs> okay. I never owe anybody any money. So I'm glad I have a life like this, but, uh, and also, I'm getting Are my. Are you going to offer some to your ex-wife? <laughs> um, I have a huge, huge surprise. Actually, the uh, uh, by, by the way, I also getting my passport renewed because I was concerned that maybe the FBI is telling the State Department don't give this guy renewed U.S. passport because I need that oh. passport to take a ferry to Canada from me. Ah. Yeah. So, so yeah, we should all be we should all be uh, doing that kind of shit because you know who knows if they're gonna want to clamp down with the whole CBDC thing. You know, it's uh, and the WHO treaty. You've heard of that, I assume. 
No, have not, you heard not, of the not that treaty? treaty. I, I know, I know about this digital currency, you, or whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah, you should you should do a show on that the WHO treaty because that is some uh, that is some privileged fucking shit that they're trying to do. Oh really? I am you that. I am you that. DM you that. I'll, I'll, I'll be great. Okay. Fantastic. Okay. And uh, yeah, and uh, greatly appreciate Heidi. Thank you, uh, Rudy. And uh, have a great evening. And uh, we'll talk soon. All right. You too. Oh, hey, Jenny. Hi, Jenny. Jenny. <laughs> Jenny she? Yeah, she just she just stopped in. Okay. I guess All she right. took off again. All right. All right. Good night. Bye.